If you've been coming to the gathering for anywhere in the last three months, you know that we've been doing a series called Reacts. Um, not really so much a series because we've been taking our time just journeying through the book of Acts. So this morning, we're just going to kind of put that on hold, and we're going to take a minute and talk about um, Isaiah chapter 60. The, the message this morning is called How Christmas Stole the Grinch. Um, I have to confess that my all-time favorite Christmas movie is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <coughs> not, <coughs> sorry, not the overly expensive full-length version with Jim Carrey, although I love Jim Carrey, um, and where he had to wear like 300 pounds of stuff to make that movie. But I love the 30-minute cartoon, the one that gets busted up on TV every 10 minutes, but it's got, you know, Boris Karloff, he's a narrator, and little Cindy Lou. I just love that cartoon. It is my favorite Christmas movie. And so this morning, um, we're all kind of coming in close. We kind of enjoy. Don't you feel that warm feeling that everybody has on Christmas, a the, the, the couple days before Christmas? Um, before you're, you're in here, here's what you're going to notice this morning. You've already seen it to this point. No one, not even the Grinch, can steal Christmas. There's way too much light going on in the kingdom of God for that to happen. And so this morning, as we kind of take this walk through Isaiah chapter 60, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see in this chapter the strategy that God uses to make sure that Christmas steals the Grinch. You're going to find that we serve a king of a great kingdom. His name is Jesus. And he is an extraordinary overcomer. How many of you, honestly, with a raised hand would say, I've got stuff in my life that I cannot overcome? Raise your hand. You just can't. You're powerless. You try. Jesus, you're going to find out this morning, Jesus is an extraordinary overcomer. He never looks at your life and says, I don't know about that one. He's an extraordinary overcomer. What he does on the entrance to this world cannot be stopped unless we do. Everybody say one. Unless we do one unthinkable act. So let me give you a little bit of background about Isaiah. Um, he's a prophet. He's an author. His ministry took place during uh, the expansion of the Assyrians, the final collapse of Israel, the moral decline of Judah. Now, you don't remember all that, but can we just sum it up like this? It was a dark time. Okay? That's a lot of bad going on in the culture. And that's the, that's the situation that Isaiah is speaking in. He's a prophet there. So we already know that what we're about to read is going to apply to us. How do we know that? Because we learned a couple Fridays ago that we live in a pretty dark culture. Right? This place ain't shining the light of Jesus. And so what we're about to read is going to apply to us. Here's what we're going to learn. Four truths from Isaiah chapter 60, the first truth, we're going to learn what we're called to do. And the first, the two things that we're called to do are found in the first two words. Arise, shine. Now, this reminds me of my mom. Who would walk in every morning, turn the light on, and start singing some silly, stupid song about rising and shining. And I hated it. I hated that song because, let me see, who's a morning person in here? Who's not a morning person? Most of the people that are not morning people, they're not even awake to, to raise their hand, right? This, this sounds like when, my, when parents walk in and they yank the covers off, like they, you know, they might try the subtle approach like, hey, it's time to wake up. But when you don't move after 30 seconds, they're just like, I said it's time to rise and shine. 
And that's what we're called to do. Now, if you're like most people, right away you're kind of like, ugh. That does not make me feel good to know that somehow, is that what God's going to do? Is he going to just rip the stuff off? I, I got a picture of a guy um, that is obviously not a morning person. Maybe you've run into him at, at Walmart. Um, so here's a picture of this guy who's gone through the whole day, right? I mean, that's the look of a man who's like, I didn't want to get out of bed this morning, and I didn't fix my hair the whole day. I'm posing for a picture with this, right? He just doesn't care. Um, that's not a morning person, right? Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe that's how you feel. Usually what happens is as you grow up and get older and start to date, you marry a person who is the exact opposite of you. So if you're not a morning person, you have married a morning person. And it works out on Saturdays when you want to sleep late. You can't because they're already up and like making coffee. Um, in our house, I've been running. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. And when he's like, I couldn't even sleep this morning. Thanks a lot. And sometimes that's how it works. We rise. We shine. How many of us are woken up way too early every morning with somebody cheerful in our house? And you just want to say, I love you, but shut up. Go tell somebody who cares like our neighbor. These are the two things that most of us don't want to do. It's hard to rise. And here's why. Because usually we rise up from a comfortable position, don't we? Like a bed. Um, if you are an athlete, if you've ever played football and you've been hit hard, you end up laying on the ground. It's nice to lay on the ground after you've been hit hard. You don't want to rise up. If you're a boxer, you get hit by an opponent, you're down. Some of us can't relate to boxing, but how about this? Depression, addiction, any place that allows us to have a momentary escape, it is hard to rise up from those places. Nobody really wants to rise. Write this verse down, Proverbs 24, 16. Proverbs 24, 16 says that it is the act of rising that reveals the righteousness in your hearts. It says that though a righteous man falls seven times, guess what a righteous man does? He gets back up. He rises up. Some of you this morning, you're in here, and it's like if, I mean, we know that God's here, right? But if, if Jesus just magically whoom, appeared here, some of us would do this, Jesus, and some would do this, oh, Jesus, right? Because we are the guy that has fallen. But though a righteous man falls, not, look at the person next to you. Do they look righteous? No. Some of you are like, they don't even look safe. Are you kidding? The Bible does not say that though a wicked man falls seven times. Now, we all know that if you're not following Jesus, you're probably going to fall and stumble, right? But the Bible says that though a righteous man falls seven times. And that's an implication, right? It could be eight, nine, a hundred. What he's saying is it's not staying down that makes you righteous. It's rising that reveals, us, reveals, us, <laughs> that reveals the righteousness in your heart. So here's what I want you to write down. What knocked you down only defines you if you stay down. But once you rise, righteousness defines you. It's not on the paper. You just have to write that down. But it will be online. I heard a voice of God speaking. Let me say it one more time. What knocked you down only defines you if you stay down. Once you rise, Righteousness defines you. 
Let me tell you about a little tool that we're going to start using at the gathering. I just want to mention it because we just had that awesome voice. Is that on the paper? Um, how many of you are into social media? Raise your hand. You're into Facebook, you're into Twitter, you're all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to start doing this. Every week we're going to put this thing up online called a recap. And it's just going to be a one sheet. It's going to have the big idea on it. And it's going to have certain statements that we make during the teaching that are just already down under 140 characters. You just go on that sheet, copy, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, paste, spread the word. I believe that this could be a generation of social media evangelists. Okay? So I'm not the pastor that's going to get up and say, Facebook's of the devil. If it is, let's redeem it, right? Let's use it. Let's plaster good stuff about Jesus all over that thing, all right? So we're going to make it easy for you. You can already get that from last week. This will be up tomorrow, and that statement will be on there. So you can just copy and paste. So it's hard to rise. What about shining? Shining's not much easier either. Either It's, a su- it's not a suggestion. This is a command. He says, rise, shine. This is what we're called to do. Two things, rise, shine. Matthew 5.16 says that we're called to shine before men and that's important and here's why for the most part when we gather on Sundays who are we shining before it's not it's not a trick question Christians or and God right well I went to seminary when I was at seminary we went to chapel people didn't get saved because we were all saved for the most part you go to Christian camp um, maybe you go to a Christian college, and here's what you'll, you'll find. You love Christian college. You love the chapels. You love the environment, and you dread the day that you have to leave. Because what we have, and it's not a bad thing, but we love to shine before God. But we're not called to do that. Does that blow your mind? Matthew 5.16 says that we're called to let our light shine before God men so god says to a dark culture the believers in it in isaiah 60 what you're called to do is rise which nobody wants to do because you're rising from something that's very comfortable and i know right away some of you are thinking where i'm at is not comfortable where i'm at is very painful and i totally get it but the longer we're there the easier it is to stay the harder it is to say, I'm going to rise. I, I am admittedly a crazy fan of Rocky movies, all 320 of them. And I just, you know, you know how it's going to end, right? You know that he's at some point going to get knocked down. You know he's going to get up, and you know that the referee's going to count, and he's going to get to like eight, and suddenly Sylvester Stallone, you know, even as a 98-year-old, is going to throw his glove up over that top rope and just start to pull himself up, barely standing, and then suddenly in 30 seconds has the power to kill somebody. It's crazy. <laughs> and we all know it's going to happen, but I love those movies. And so even if all you can do is barely get up, rising means that righteousness defines you. Nobody likes to rise. Nobody likes to shine. But God has called us to shine before men. We don't want to do it. And the reason is because verse 2 in chapter 60 says that we live in a very dark place. Darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people. Listen to this. God hasn't called you to shine before him because he doesn't need light. He wants the souls of men 
So he calls us to shine before men. He does not need your light. We will go to heaven someday and we will put down light. I mean, he is, is light. He doesn't need it. He needs us to shine before men. We talked about this last week. When we get comfortable, we don't want to enter a world that God calls us to, let alone conquer it. And here, next week, different chapter, same command. It's like, gee, thanks, God. So you really want us to do this. He calls us to rise and shine. Why can we do what we're called to do? Number two, for two reasons. We know we're supposed to rise and shine. It's not a choice that we make one day. This is a spiritual transformation. There's two reasons why we can do this. Because one, Jesus is risen. And two, Jesus is shining. Uh, unfortunately, this reality became way too real for me last night. Have you ever woken up in the morning and told yourself, today I'm going to be in a good mood? Every time I've done that, I don't make it through the day. Literally, I might not even make it to the bathroom. I mean, honestly, you just, you make up your mind, the day is going to be a good day. I'm, I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm going to smile at people when they flip me off. They're going to give me one finger. I'm going to give them five, you know, the whole deal. This is a flashback for some of you older Saturday Night Live fans, but you look in the mirror and you say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, doggone it, people like me. Thank you, Stuart Smalley. Typically that lasts until the first person ticks you off, right? Because what we're doing, like right now you're thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to rise and shine. And so you're going through this mental checklist. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to rise, I'm going to shine. But it's not just a choice that we make. This is a spiritual transformation. I want to say this to you. You don't have it in you to rise and shine. N now you're, you're going, now you're preaching about the person next to me. Yeah, because I knew they couldn't do it. I've been waiting on you to say that, Pastor Paul. But now we're getting somewhere. I don't have it in me to rise and shine. It's not something that we can just choose to do. The Bible says that we can't even make the choice. We have this condition called sin. It makes it impossible to consistently choose Jesus. Romans 3, 10 to 12 says that no one is righteous. No one seeks God. All of us choose our own way. And you, So here's what you're going to say to me right away. I know, but that's unbelievers. And you're right. So what Paul did to make sure that we'd have to shut up about that is that four chapters later, in chapter 7, he wrote like a bunch of verses about how he wanted to do certain things and he didn't, and then he didn't want to do certain things and he did. He ended that whole chapter with a prayer that all of us can relate to. I'm horrible, help. You ever prayed that one? Oh God, that thing I said I'd never do again, a thousand times ago, I'm back. You don't have it in you to rise and shine. I can't just choose to rise and shine. It is not a choice. It is a condition of who we are spiritually on the inside. There are churches full today of people who don't like church. You know why they're there? I hate going to church, but if I just go enough, my life's going to get fixed. Wrong. If you just go enough, you're going to go to hell and you're going to be bored 
one day of the week on the way there. Unless you give your heart to Jesus. Period. Because we don't have it in us. There is no one righteous. No one seeks God. All of us. Everybody say all. All of us, apart from Jesus, will choose our own way. That's why there are some great causes and some great charities, right? They raise lots of money for people, and they do lots of good in the world. And if you follow them long enough, guess what you'll find at the heart of those organizations? Apart from Jesus, you will find selfish corruption. Somebody somewhere will say, well, we could give $3 million, or we could give 2.8, and I'll pocket 200000 After all, I deserve it. You know why? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And look at all the good I've done. I'll just keep this for myself. Because at the end of the day, apart from Jesus, we will all choose our own way. Paul said, who will rescue me? Romans 7, 24. And the answer is Jesus. He's the only reason that we can rise and shine. Look what it says back in Isaiah. Isaiah says it two times. We can rise and shine because Jesus has risen and is shining. Verse 1, he says, Arise, shine. Well, okay, okay, get it. That's right. That's what I'm supposed to do. Arise, shine. I got it. For your light has come. He says, the only reason you can rise and shine is because your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. God shines on us, and that allows us to shine, period. And then he goes to verse 2 and says it again. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Like when people are saying things two times in a row, right, that's important. When I tell you that you can't choose to be better, to be in a better mood, to whatever, it's because we're human. Apart from Jesus, we can't do it. Here's the Jenkins household last night. You'll love this. This will make you love your pastor. Or fire me, which you can't do, but anyway, pretend like you can. I'm so tired yesterday. And I know some of you, when you get tired, you become angels, right? But when I get tired, uh uh-uh. Not so much. And I am so tired. I am so grumpy. And, and so I just, I just snapped. I mean, like, in 30 seconds, it was just I, just, I reacted, shouldn't have. It ended up with me having a conversation where I'm apologizing to Will. And then I'm having a conversation at the dinner table, apologizing, apologizing to the whole family. Like, I'm really sorry. I mean, that was wrong. I should never have thought, said, done, whatever. And they're all looking at me like, well, we know that. I mean, <laughs> duh. You know. So I make a decision, right? And you've done this too. I, I'm, we're going to get over this. And we watched this cheesy Christmas movie. It was fantastic. You know, Wendy's working somewhere. I'm in there with the kids. We're watching this Disney movie. It's about Christmas, and that just feels so good. I go, I put them in the bed. We pray together. You know, everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. It's a great night in the Jenkins household. Right up until I sit down on the couch and help Wendy go through the list of labels to put on Christmas cards to make sure we have enough here to pass out to people. And, like, other than the fact that I bit her head off, like, five times in a row, like, I mean, it was, like, rapid fire. Bam, 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 bam. Like, where's the blood coming from? I'm killing my wife, right? Even though I made a decision, like, an hour earlier. That's why you don't have it in you to rise and shine. And all you can do is say, Jesus, who can save me from the wretched man that I am? Now, that's... You know, hard for y'all to relate to because you never do stuff like that. But I do. So let's talk for just a minute about how Jesus rises and shines. I've um, spent a lot of time in the dark. 
Usually it's early in the morning on a run. And here's what I've learned about light. It breaks slowly. Some of your runners are your hunters. And you go out early in the morning and it's dark. And have you noticed like when it says the sun rises at like, you know, 5.30 in the morning? At 5.30 it just doesn't suddenly go bing. It just slowly starts to rise, right? That's the way that light grows. Here's a couple verses to write down. This is how God shines his light on us. Psalm 97, 11. Psalm 112, 4. Proverbs 4, 18. All three of those are promises of the gradual dawning of God's glory for the righteous. And that, again, we go, yeah, that's for the believers. It's not, for, it's not the way God deals with unbelievers. John 1, 7. John 1, 7 talks about John the Baptist. And just the fact that John the Baptist went first to preach about a coming king, it shows how God deals with unbelievers. He deals with the world, a dark world. What does he do? He shines his light, and it just gradually starts to dawn. That's the way God reveals his light. That's not the same as our method. Our method is more like my mom's. Lights on, lots of singing, and it hurts. We pull the covers over our face. Oh, God, just five more minutes. It's not so much that we even love the darkness as much as the light just hurts. We're supposed to hold out the word like a navigational lamp instead of a blinding spotlight. When I was a youth pastor, we used to do this thing on late road trips when it would get dark and it would get quiet, and we would do these things called hand checks. Ever had a hand check? Okay, let me just tell you how the hand checks were. <laughs> Kevin's here. He's like, I remember these. <laughs> I wanted to kill you. Um, here's the way hand checks work. When you're a youth pastor in a 15-passenger van, you don't assume that people all love Jesus. You assume that some are there to date. And so in the nighttime when everybody starts to get quiet and you think everybody's asleep, you're, you're, you're hoping but you're not quite sure. And is it possible that, like, some guy's in the back, he's, like, rubbing some girl's hair, you know, and shh, be very quiet. We don't want anybody to know. So what you do is at the most opportune time, you just like turn the interior light on and go, hand check! And everybody freaks. And hands are, everybody's up in the air. Here's what I found through all the years of hand checking. It really just wakes up a lot of sleepy people. They hate it. They can't stand it. And, and, and it's not that effective. Unfortunately, that's kind of how we handle the light. That God shines on us. We hand check the world. It's not effective. It's not the way that God's light grows. His light appears and it gradually grows. Bottom line is that the only reason we can shine, the only reason we can rise is because Jesus has risen. He is shining on us first. Um, we know because of God loving us first that we can now rise and shine. 1 John 4.10, 1 John 4.19 talks about we love him because he first loved us. And so the only question becomes, if we do rise and shine because he's risen and shining on us, what can we expect to happen when we rise and shine? So here's number three. Here's what happens when we do what we're called to do. We're called to rise and shine. Why can we do that? Because Jesus has risen and he is shining on us. And what in the world happens when we do what we're called to do? Two things grow, our hearts and his kingdom. 
verse, verses 3 through 5 in Isaiah 60. It says, Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, look about you, all assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. It is the first heart throb in the Bible. I can't read that and not think tiger beat. I'm that old. Remember that? Yeah, there's one. I knew we'd have one. Tiger beat. You'd have like these guys with like the 80s hair and all that stuff, and these girls would get the tiger beat and open up, and he was a heartthrob, you know? I mean, the 80s had some good stuff, but tiger beat, probably not it. The heartthrob. This is literally what it means is that the, the Hebrew word means that your heart will widen and enlarge. I, I, okay, we're going to show the clip. I've I got to show it because I brought the clip. This is what happened to the Grinch, right? He experienced Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. Just take a peek. And the Grinch with his Grinch feast, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches, plus two. I've always loved how he was able to defy gravity. <laughs> it's always awesome. A really slow descent down the hill. His heart grew three sizes that day. Here's why that's so important. When we start to do what we're called to do, when we start to rise and shine, because the Lord has risen and is shining on us, what happens is this very dark culture that we're a part of, if we don't have our hearts grow, we're not going to shine. That's what we talked about last week, right? That you know, this culture we're called to go into, it's dark. I mean, where it says in, a, in the second verse that thick darkness covers the earth, that's, that's literally, I mean, he uses two words for darkness here. The first is like, and this is going to be crazy, dark. 
But the second's like a darkness you can feel. You ever been there? Like the darkness you can, I can feel this darkness. That's the thick darkness that covers the earth. Nobody wants to go to a place like that. That's what we talked about last week. The only reason that we would go is simply because our hearts grow. If our hearts don't grow, then Matthew 24, 12, just jot that down. That's what we will do. That will be our response to a dark world if our hearts don't start to grow. But our response is to allow the light of Jesus to shine to us and through us so that it can overcome the darkness. The greater the darkness, the more piercing the light. So our hearts grow and his kingdom grows. Let's very quickly, just get this, very quickly, his kingdom grows. Um, we see in verse 3 that nations and kings come to his light. Verse 4, sons and daughters. Man, that's a great promise, isn't it? Some of you parents, you got kids, they're just like nowhere near Jesus. And so what do we do? Call them from the phone, preach to them. You should have been in church. We nag, 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 nag. But if we let the light of Christ shine through us, this says sons and daughters from afar will come. How does Jesus' kingdom grow? Slow and steady. Matthew 13, 31 to 33, Jesus compared his kingdom to a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds, and he says, but it grows to be the biggest of all trees. He compares it to yeast and says, if you just work the yeast through the batch, it affects it. It starts small, and it grows slow and steady. It takes time. Aren't you glad that God gave you time? Okay. That was the answer of a church that doesn't understand grace nor the wrath of God. Aren't you glad that God gave you time? Yes. Think about the first time that you heard about Jesus and your response was, uh, no. God was well within his right to kill you at that very moment, which would have probably led to the salvation of a lot of people that were around you at that moment, right? <laughs> whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm saying yes. I don't even know who he is, but yes, a million times yes, right? But you said no, and he didn't kill you. He gave you time. Because his kingdom grows slow and steady. It takes time. God gave you time, and you're to give other people time. Write these four words down. Religion interrogates. Jesus illuminates. Religion interrogates. Jesus illuminates. And when we allow his light to become his light to us to become his light through us. Our hearts grow. So does his kingdom. And if we could stop it there, that'd be great. But we can't. I have to give you the bad news too. Number four, what happens when we don't do what we're called to do? Two words, people perish. What happens if we're called to rise and shine? And so we do rise and shine because he has shown on us. And we make sure that we rise and shine on Sundays in this building in front of God. And everybody's happy and everybody loves it. But we never go and shine out in the world, in the darkness where he's called us to go. Two, two words, people perish. I wish I could tell you that it's not the case. I wish I could tell you that if we just simply try to be good, we could just, just try to be good instead of having to need God. That's just not the truth. The truth is that this world is full of people. Proverbs 4.19 says this. It's full of people who are in deep darkness and are stumbling and don't even know what they're stumbling over. Now, that describes all of us at night when we have to get up and go to the bathroom, right? We're just kind of stumbling through the dark, and we hit something. It's like you don't even turn the light on to see what it is. You're just like, I don't even know what that is. We don't even know what we're stumbling over. That's, what, that's the world that we live in. People that don't know Jesus, that's what they're doing. They are stumbling. They don't even know what they're stumbling over. And so the only hope 
is that somehow through some miracle, someone who has selfishly received the light will turn around and selflessly help them see the light as well. And I am one of those Christians. I am a church person. I, I get it. We love it to be about us because it's awesome. But ultimately, we're called to shine our light before men. That's what Christmas is about. Philippians 2, 15 through 16 says that we're called to shine like stars in a depraved, dark place as we hold out the word of life. It is not easy nor comfortable to rise and shine. If we don't, then people will continue to stumble and will never find the one, the one way, the only truth, and the abundant life. His name is Jesus. Get this. Jesus is the light of the world, but his light to the world shines through his church. And if we don't shine, then people will perish. So we've got to wrap this up. Here's what we know. We're called to rise and shine. We can only do that because Jesus has risen and is shining on us. And when we shine, God grows our hearts. He grows his kingdom. And if we don't shine, people perish. And so here's the big idea for today. God's light to you must become God's light through you. I'm going to play a, a video of a song that I found this week. Sums it up pretty well. Um, and then we'll close at the end of that just with the time of I want just a time of waiting and of worship, just a time of offering ourselves to Jesus in light of what we've learned today. Because can I be honest with you? Some of us here, you are unbelievers. And you need to offer Jesus your dark sins. Some of us in here are believers. And we need to offer to Jesus our selfish desire to keep the light to ourselves. And so when we're done with this song, when we begin to close out this time, that's how we're going to close it out. We're not going to rush out of here. We're going to close it just reflecting on what God's doing. Just take a minute and just watch this and listen to the words of this song.
Here's what I want you to understand this morning. I want you to understand that even though God's light appears gradually, it will disappear suddenly. There will come a day when many of you will decide that you needed his light and it'll be too late. I love you enough to tell you that. But the good news is that today's not that day. The good news is that today there is still light that shines in a dark place. And it is growing here. Here at the gathering. It started with me and Wendy. Go ahead and stand up, Wendy. About 15 months ago, when Wendy said, Hey, Paul, I think you're supposed to plant a church. And I said, You're crazy. And we said, All right, God, crack your light. Hey, God, if you'll shine on us, we'll shine through to the world. And then, because, you know, our kids don't have a choice, it became our kids too. Will and Parker, Sydney, stand up. Just crack your light. So the gathering was five members not that long ago. And then there were other insane people that said, yeah, we'll come along. And they started meeting in our den. If you're here this morning and you were a part of those meetings in our den, I want you to stand up. I want you to crack your light. I want you to shake it. And I want you to understand something, church. This is how the kingdom of God grows. I wish two things right now. I wish, one, it was pitch black in here. That'd be awesome. And two, I wish that it could grow faster sometimes. But this is how the kingdom of God works. It grows slowly. And so then we're meeting in my, in my den, and we realized we didn't have room, and so we decided we'd come to a coffee shop. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but um, that was back, I think, in September. If you were here, maybe that first Sunday night, or the first Sunday morning that we actually met in a coffee shop, will you stand? There won't be many of you, because there weren't many more than what we've got here. And then some of you started coming to the gathering in 2011. If that's you, I want you to stand. Just crack open your glow stick and shake it. And what's crazy is, and here's what I want you to understand. That's still not a lot of people. But this year, in 2012... If you started coming to the gathering, I want you to stand up. I want you to break your glow stick. I want you to shake it. I love telling you what God's doing in our church. Because sometimes I think what happens is we get in this little room and we start thinking things like, so it's like just this room, right? And it's not. The testimony I shared with you this morning about the lady at the hospital 
Do you, do you know, and this is not because I'm a good teacher or because Phil's a good teacher, although Eugene was a good preacher. Man, that was awesome. I can't wait for him to preach again. But do you know that in 2012, the messages at the gathering in little old Albemarle and a little old coffee shop have been watched in 44 countries around the world? That's what God's doing. I want you to lift your sticks up, glow sticks up. This is the way the kingdom of God grows. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, it is because of one reason and one reason alone. His kingdom is still shining to us so it can shine through us. And he has reserved today to be your day of salvation. It is light in the dark places that steals the evil away. This is how the Grinch was stolen by Christmas. Do you remember the part in the, um, in the movie when he starts to hear the song? And this is exactly the words that Dr. Seuss wrote. He wasn't even trying to be a theologian, but here's what he wrote. The song started in low, and it started to grow. And you've just seen visually what that looks like. It started in low at the gathering. It was a wife that looked at a husband and said, Do you think maybe... We're supposed to, and a husband who was just crazy enough to say yes to God and not his wife, just to his wife. It started in low when 20 people said, we'll come. And do you see how it is starting to grow? And do you see what God's doing in the downtown of a forgotten city? And what he wants to do, just one building over? and down the road in many more buildings around this city. He is starting to grow his kingdom. This is the message of Christmas. No one ever saw Jesus coming. It was too dark. And one night in a manger, one light pierced the darkness. And from that moment until now, it has grown and grown and grown. And I'm telling you something, Gathering, His light to you is meant to be His light through you. And when you walk out of this place this morning, you carry this with you. I mean, this is just a glow stick. But you carry the light of Christ. And go shine it on the world. Colossians 1.13 says that Jesus is always, always shining light through us so that people can make the decision to walk out of the kingdom of darkness and into His marvelous light. And this morning, we want to give you the chance to do just that.